In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Welcome to the Daily Miffian Grizzlies podcast, where Jaron Jackson Jr. is out indefinitely, but we're ready to go. I'm Chris Harrington, and I'm joined this week by Peter Edmiston, Grizzlies columnist for The Athletic and Daily daily Morning Host on Sports 56 WHBQ. Peter and I have talked a bunch over the years, but this will be our first time on this particular podcast. How's it going, Peter? Yeah, the last time we talked, it's good, Chris. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be over at the, the New Digs and... Uh you know, we, we talked last time we were both at the CA, I think, at that point. And so right. uh, now I'm over the athletic, you're here. It's kind of it's kind of funny how it all how it all works out. But I mean, you and I like on a regular basis doesn't change our daily interaction at all. It's, right. it's the same as it ever was. So it's, been, it's been this odd bloom of Grizzlies coverage at a time when yeah. like the, the like the good the good days are over, right? We we sort of had more elbow room actually back during the good years, right? Well, I know. We I've never seen it. It used to be that like uh, JB Bickerstaff's pregame press conferences would be like Three people, four right. people, maybe. Now there's like twenty at every one for I, I no discernible reason. I, I nothing. It, there's nothing newsworthy it, at, at, at all. It, but it, it, he talks for ten minutes, even though there's not a whole lot to say at this I, point. I, I mean, I've never seen anything right. like it. It was crazy with Lionel and with Dave Yeager. It was like, and, and even Fizz, like you know, they might go for like one minute, two minutes tops, and there's like three yeah. people, and there was way more. That was a, those were playoff teams with like way more compelling stories. Well, I've already used to do his out on the court. Um, yeah. And there, because there would only be a few people, right? right? And so the idea of doing it on the court when you got like fifteen people around you, right? No, I mean, I think Steve Kerr still does it that way, but yeah, I, I, for some reason the the, the Grizzlies, you know, their their PR side, they've gotten a lot more um, uh, professional. Uh, they they would call it professional. I would call it a little too uh, rote and uh, right. rigorous uh, for my liking, but uh, but that's that's the way they like to do it. So how are you liking the athletic? You know what? I really enjoy it. Uh, it's great. Um, I I I know. Um, you hear a lot of the same things from the athletic writers, but it's true. Like, you know, just like you guys are doing with the daily Memphian, like it's, it's a different sort of concept. Right. And it gives you a little more leeway to do the stuff that you really like to do. If you enjoy to write, if you enjoy writing or you enjoy you know, covering the team and you don't need to be restricted by the format of, Oh, you gotta do a gamer. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. You have to all these in the worry about the clicks and how many clicks you're getting all this stuff. It's like, the subscription format is the healthiest format to actually get good information, news, stuff that a reader would enjoy because you don't have that pressure of trying to generate nonsense clicks or do these autoplay videos or whatever, all this right. all this, this trash that, that, that you have to do when you have these other sites. So, man, they're, they've been great. They, they let, um, as far as I know, and Omari, I'm sure is the same way. You'd have to ask him, but uh, Omari Sankofar, beat writer, but he... You know, they let they let us just, you know, we can originate our ideas. We can yeah. report them out as needed. If you need a little extra time, you could do that. No problem. We don't have a specific. You no, know, I know. That's one thing I've noticed, which is great. There's not a lot of sort of set formats across the different mm-hmm. uh, markets. Right. There's a little bit more freedom, you know, to, oh, yeah, to come up with stuff. Um, well, speaking of the athletic and your writing, the most recent thing you did was uh, the, the latest third, I guess, in your series on Jared Jackson, Jr., um, which was excellent as always. Thank you. Um, I was struck, though, by what's not in it. And there's a good reason it's, there's not much of this in it. And that is the pairing of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jonas Valanciunas because they haven't we haven't seen much of it. No. Right. The 23 minutes as, yeah. what, as when I had written it at right. that point, I think. Yeah. 
And so what do you, I mean, what is your sense of, because to me that was one of the big questions for this last 20 or so games of the season, trying to figure out, is this work? Is this what we want next year? Um, and they're going to have a hard time, you know, deciding that based on evidence. So you're gonna, it's got to be guesswork. What's your, what's your guess on it? No, I think, I mean, it, there are certainly reasons why logically it would work. Um, you know, physically, the, the evidence that, that, that you know, you saw in that piece and that, that I think your eyes just kind of tell you at this point is that Jaron is better suited playing alongside a more physical partner. Right. You know, he, he will, I think, eventually be a center once he is able to deal with the physicality, not get into foul trouble, be able to better handle those matchups and truthfully have a better partner alongside of him. The, the quality of the four that they put alongside of him has not been very good in those minutes in general. Jermichael Green's had an awful year, quite honestly, and Ivan Rabb is... You know, we'll see. It's 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 early days with Ivan Rab. So, um, you know, you don't get a great feel for him at the five. You put Chandler Parsons. Maybe Kyle Anderson is interesting there um, down the line. But for the most part, it's a better fit for him at the four and then to have that five alongside. And, and, and with, with Jonas, I, I think and I would like to think that that would allow Jaron's more exterior focus game to come out because Jonas is so big. And he's not, you know, he can pop, but that's not right. really the number one thing for him. You want to use his physicality and leverage that. Jaron has been so good um, in the in those little elbow corners away from, for whatever reason, that's his hot spot. He does a lot of his work at the three-point line elbow extended, whether it's the actual three-point shot, which his numbers indicate that's his favorite area right. on the court, or taking the ball off the dribble, which he has learned to do more and more, of, or even orchestrating as a passer. For whatever reason, it feels like that area of the court works well for him. So you can you can use that and use Jonas inside to kind of you know set the tone there. I, I would like to think that would work. No, I I agree. I, I think it's interesting to me, and just in terms of this isolate offense with Jaron. To me, there's like a there's like a pro and a con with it, and you you've talked about the pro, which I agree with, which is that. I think Jaron needs to evolve into more of a perimeter-oriented big than he has been for the Grizzlies this season. And I think while, jo while, while Jonas, Jonas, I do back, I go back and forth. I do too. Jonas, I right? Thing, yeah. I, do. I think it's Jonas, but yeah, yeah. And so he has he is he's developed more of an outside shot over the past couple of seasons, but that's not really his strength. He's more of a around the basket player, and if he's going to play more around the basket, that will force Jaron out maybe more on the perimeter to exploit his outside shooting and his ability to attack closeouts and attack off the dribble. And I think that's where his game needs to go. And so while I don't think he should be reacting to his teammate, I think the teammate should be reacting to him. Mm -hmm. I do think it could have that effect of helping push his usage more towards the perimeter where I think it would be better. But you do still want to use him around the rim, and that's where I would have a concern. And you, and you wrote about this in your piece, not connected to Valanciunas, but connected to other players about – um, Jackson's finishing, you know, has been worse recently, mm -hmm. and there you could be different reasons for that. Maybe it's a slump. Maybe the maybe the hip, the the quad was bothering him before we knew. But there is sort of, I think, a teammate factor in that when he played with Gasol, Gasol a could stretch the floor and actually bring def defenders out on him. And Gasol was a great passer. Gasol was probably the best entry passer on the team, even though by he was far. the post player, yeah, right? By far, yeah. And so the one home game we saw. With Valanciunas and Jackson together, they tried to do some of that high-low, and it, the space no. wasn't there. The passes weren't there. And Jackson got two offensive fouls trying to get position because the pass didn't come early enough, right? And so I, I think offensively, playing with Valanciunas probably will help Jackson develop the perimeter skills, but it may limit his, uh, his effectiveness on the interior relative to playing with someone like Gasol or playing with more of a stretchy kind of four, right? Yeah, I think that's true. And, yeah, I think he's going to have to work on that. Although I think – 
honestly, like I would love to see the the way that he's developed and you know, who knows what they're going to do with this injury. He may not, he may not even be back this year. Who knows? I mean, they'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how conservative they want to make, they want to do this. But when he comes back, I'd like to see them, you know, leverage that interior play as a first step, which they, which they've done in transition, you know, he rim runs seal. No, good point. That's, I, I like that. Cause that's, that's, that's simple enough, no matter what, if that isn't the case, then let's, let's work outside in rather than inside out which i think too often they they've, they've they've forced him to like work inside 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 and then drag his way out late in the shot clock and it's just not a great possession well he's 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 an early offense threat both ways because if he's first down the floor he's shown he's great at getting down the floor Absolutely. fast and sealing his man but if he gets the defensive rebound which doesn't happen a lot but, no, it does but not. what he does if he's trailing the play he's a great you know trailing three-point threat too he's so, a great in transition his numbers yeah. in transition are excellent for that reason and so i'd like to see them 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 work on that the other thing for for jaron is as i noted is he is the most one-sided player basically in the league who has any kind of major isolation into his game you know there are guys right. that, that are that are more but they don't they don't do it as much as he does he's so left-handed that it's guys are, are leaning so heavily on that you've seen him a couple times be able to spin back to the right but that's not consistent yet he doesn't finish well from that side of the basket he right. doesn't feel comfortable finishing from that side of the basket um you know if he ends up on the right side it's typically because he's gone up and under rather than finished from the right and then you know right hand right side or there's only two or three of those even like on the books that he's done that's got to be uh that's that's a big thing i mean he's so one-handed that like no one is even really close to him and he'll have to you know, there's always guys like that in the league and he's fast enough that he can get to his spot but he's picking up offensive fouls, hooking, trying to get to that left hand. Um, so he's he's skilled enough, and he's got enough in his right hand. You know, I mean, he shoots with his right. He, he can he can do that. It's just he's got to do it on a regular basis, or else he's going to get pigeonholed, and it's going to be even harder for him to leverage his really good skill and length into easy baskets. So I gather we're both somewhat optimistic on a Jackson Valanciunas pairing yeah. in, in the short term. Right? In the short term, yeah. If you're the Grizzlies and and are you willing to try to entice Valanciunas into a longer term, whether that's an extension off of his opt in or opt out for you know a longer contract for less money per year, or are you not willing to commit to that and just say, hey, if you want to opt in, great, we'll have you next year and we'll see where it goes. I mean, like so many questions that that you have asked, that I've asked, that that the the fans want to know. The answer to that is, you know, what is your long-term plan? Right. You know, what is it that you want to do? Uh, if if you are trying to maintain a certain baseline of competence, he's a very good player. You know, he's not a great, spectacular player, but if you were to entice him with a, you know, fifteen million a year or something over a longer-term stretch, um, okay, you know, that's that's okay. That's not that's not the worst way to go. Right. But I do think that that kind of limits your ceiling in addition to raising your floor. And I don't, I don't know if that's what they want to do long term. I don't know if that's where they want to go with this particular group. The other thing that that, that, that Jonas does is he kind of pigeonholes you into a certain way of playing. Right. I don't know if that's conducive either to the way that they want Jaron to develop long term. I feel like the best answer ultimately is not going to be one type of player or a, a different type of player with Jaron, but optionality. Like, mm -hmm. like, like whoever... Your, your second and third bigs may be a platoon, right? And maybe if you look at Toronto, that's sort of what ended up happening there. They decided, I know they brought in Marcus All, but they're sort of using him the same way they did Valanciunas from a minutes role perspective, even though he's a different, better player. Right. 
But this idea of we'll go big when we need to go big and we'll play like, you know, two smaller mm-hmm. bigs when we don't. And maybe the answer with Jaron is is having that optionality next to him, right? And, you know, in the short term, you know, in theory, that could be Jonas Valanciunas and Bruno Caboclo. It's probably not the long-term answer, but like that kind of – Yeah, that, I think that's that, that's, that's that's good if you, if you can do – and he's versatile enough to play in either style, which is right. important. Um, yeah, I, I like that. Again, I don't think to me, you know, from my perspective, I don't think that's enough to justify trying to l- go long-term with that's, Jonas this, at this, this point. This was my point, right? If you you're know, looking at – that role being a platoon role and not a thirty-minute-a-game yeah. starter role, right? Then I, w- I would say the idea being next year you assume he's opting in um, to that deal. You don't really encourage any kind of long-term thing, so he's going to opt in seventeen point six or whatever it is. And then a- after that is done, the market for bigs I don't think is going to be super hot. It hasn't been for a while. You can probably get something done with him by that point if it's all gone well over the eighteen months or whatever it would be at that at that stage. You could probably still get something done. And at a reasonable price, I think the risk on, on, on losing him is not that big of a deal. The downside is is I think he's he's good, but more or less replaceable enough, especially based on where you're going to be. Because where are you going to be as a franchise at that right. point? What is it that you're going to be want to be doing? Well, the good news is they don't have to make any of these decisions till they know whether they have a draft pick and where it is, right? right? And that may change a lot of things in terms of what you do going forward. No question. Um, they also probably won't make these decisions. Well, they definitely won't make these decisions until they know who's making the decisions. There's a chance that changes. There's a chance it doesn't. But but we'll have clarity one way or the other before we get to that point. Yeah, and that is and, – and again, this – you know. All the the stuff, and you you've answered you're answering questions from your readers uh, here at the Daily Memphian. I'm doing the same thing at the Athletic. Uh, you know, a lot of people have very similar questions, and the truth is, the answer to all those questions is basically known, by, Rivera, known right? by one guy, <laughs> right. and that guy is not talking. And yeah. I and, and God knows uh, you've tried, I've tried. Um, you know, we we have a standing offer to go meet Robert Perra anywhere in the world. That that done, and and they they will they will not. The Grizzlies have not taken us up on that as of yet. I don't think he'd get to go anywhere. I actually think my sense is he has been in town a lot more than people know. That there have been times this season where he's come in for like two or three hours, like between meetings in other cities, basically. Come in, meet with people, and and come out and like keep it quiet. So I do think he's been in town a lot more um, than it's been publicly known and then than he was before this season. For sure before, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, for sure before this season. But you're right that it's – Whatever he's thinking, it, 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 it's pretty. It's pretty under wraps. Like we don't really know. And for, I think for, people, for all the speculation. And you know, Chris, like you would know this. You know, having talked to some of the same folks I've talked to, I'm sure, and in, in, in you know, digging in, there were things that could have happened that some people thought were going to happen earlier this year that didn't happen, based on his trips to Memphis. You know, there were uh, moves that you know were on. A possibility, a distinct possibility that did not happen for whatever reason. Uh, you know, he's kind of gone back and forth on some stuff, uh, which is not unusual. You know, for him, the, the the way that he's dealt with the team is is different, obviously, because of the you know Joe Body is moved to a different you know ubiquity role, and you know he's more it's more direct. You have a little you know more involvement from you know Zach Clayman in the world, and um, so it's a little different the the hierarchy, but. He's been around and he's talked to people and he's talked to obviously he's talked to you know Mike and Mark. A lot of people got impressions that certain things are going to happen. They didn't, um, you know. So that that just leads to a lot of instability. I think a lot of people are still kind of wondering, and maybe Robert's wondering, like what 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 exactly who how is this going to go? And I, I don't right. I don't think he knows the answer to that question yet. I really don't. Right. 
Do you think a couple things? Um, do you think we're going to see Jaron again this season? I mean, my gut tells me no. Yeah, me too. I just think there, there's. Why would you push it? Right. You know, it, it, for what? What do you? you the idea to, to convey the pick or whatever, like, who cares? Like, it's... Well, it, it's it, gotten it, to the point now where the range of possibilities right, is narrow exactly. and the degree of yeah. control over that is also that, narrow. That's, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, obviously they care and, 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 and the fans care, but I mean, like, his role in conveying that is 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 largely irrelevant and there's right. no... there's no re, If he's fine, if he, gets, if he has a totally clean bill of health, okay, cool. But, like, we've seen how these things go. And muscle injuries... Having looked at the the whole deep thigh bruise thing, like there's a wide variation of ways that can go based on how it's the recovery process. Yes. Some of the downsides are not great. Usually it's not a big deal, but there is a if, downside if, if that he, can happen. If he doesn't come back, and I think he probably won't, I mean, if it is what they say it is, it should be fine by September, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. And so there is that. Of course, we've uh, had that conversation before about well, certain Grizzlies. You know, it true. should be fine by this, and then it's, you know. So speaking of decisions they'll have to make, uh, one of them is Mike Conley. You you wrote about Conley uh, after the deadline. Um, what do you think is going to happen with him this summer? I mean, I think the inclination that I get is that they want to trade him still, um, and, right. and that I think they they think it's a more advantageous time to trade him. I just never got the sense at the the deadline, Chris, that they really wanted to trade Mike like they were okay with it and if they'd they gotten a they really good motivated. deal they were exactly, motivated right. to move Gasol yeah I, yeah. I, 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 com yeah. I compared it to like when you put your house on the market for a you know 50 grand over the asking price and like if someone gives it to you okay cool like great I'll, I'll sell but I'm not like I, got, I don't have to move out I'm not like you know in, in trouble with the you know the payments and all that stuff I mean with Mark it was like we got to get out of this house like we gotta we gotta get something whatever we can get let's get it and and that's why they ended up doing what they did the the summer will be different because you know they I think they're a little more motivated at that point to move Mike, and the market should be easier to find compatible teams that can do creative things salary wise. And don't to, you to think? Deal with don't that. you think Mike will be? This is speculation, but we both talked to him. We've been around him. Don't you think he'll be motivated to be moved this summer? You know, I would have thought so. Assuming that the team looks like it's going to not be good next year, you know. You know, I would have thought so, Chris. But here's the thing: like, so Mike and Mark are both strange birds in this regard like and i don't it's not i don't i don't mean well mark i don't think he wanted to deal with it in season until they made it a thing and then he was ready well, to go well no right? no no. but I, I mean that's true but I'm, I'm talking about even before that so here's the the, the 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 stuff that was was interesting to me about mark back in 2015 or whatever it was uh when he hurt his foot and he was going into the free agent situation um you know there was some acrimony about how that foot thing was handled they there was some concern that he had been hurt and the team they couldn't quite agree on exactly how it was done. In fact, he'd had an MRI scheduled that morning or the morning after he broke his foot. He'd already had a an MRI on the books anyway just to see what it was. And it turned out that he had to use it for the broken foot, but he had actually already scheduled it the day before. Um, they disagreed about how that was handled, all that stuff. He didn't like it. There was some acrimony. His whole thing was weird. And he didn't like, you know, the way that the organization, you know, him, him and Dave had kind of a tortured relationship. So all that kind of as, as you tell us, Gasol had a, a torture relationship with the coach. It's hard to believe. I know. Right. I know. It's amazing. Normally he's such a such a, a smooth ride to, to coach, but so all that stuff was was on the back burner, Chris. And like, yet that summer for free agency, the Spurs have money. They no, have interest. No drama. He didn't even take he's, a meeting. He's hanging out on the beach. It's done. He doesn't. He doesn't Para. Care, they right? go to they go to Barcelona. They they have a little paella. Next thing right. you know, the deal's done. Well, that that. To me, that my mind is like, well, if you're really like a competitor, hype, like you would at least take the meeting, right? You would at least, 
explore that space, but he never did. And Mike is the same way. Like, even though they have done so many things to me that like, if I'm a, I'm like, look, man, are you guys want to win? Did you guys give me any help? Do we do yeah, anything? But th- I just feel like, I feel like Mike is not, I don't, I don't know that he's motivated but to do that. Those free agency cases were both cases where a, the Grizzlies were still winning and thought they would continue to win. And the Grizzlies wanted them back. And both those things, one of those things has definitely changed. And one has probably changed, right? I think, yeah. I mean, I think the one has certainly changed for, for Mike. Mike Mike is just more along the lines. I you know the Mark one was the really confusing one to me because at least you didn't even take a meeting. Like Mike, I get it. No one's going to pay Mike what the Grizzlies were going to pay him. And Mike made it clear in that process. He said, "Look, as long you know he he didn't take a penny under the max." Right. You know, DeRozan took took under the max that year. Nicholas Batum took under the max that year to to stick around with their teams. Conley wasn't going to do that, so he did he did extract as much as he could extract. But there was never a threat or a doubt anything like that. I just. To me, Mike is, I think he's very comfortable with where he is. And I think he would he would be interested in moving to some extent. But I think like Mark, they're not the kind of guys that agitate for that. They, they value the stability as much or more than, than almost anything else. And I think it means a lot to them. So is that a good or bad thing? I think it's a good thing mostly, but um, you know, some may see it as a bad thing because I, I think you know, a lot of other players in their position would be pushing hard for something different and and they just aren't if you're the grizzlies are you are you wanting to move mike conley this summer i I think as long as i can feel comfortable enough with my point guard position that it won't be a wasteland like you've seen in phoenix with their young bigs as long as i can find people that are competent enough to get the ball to jaron jackson and not you know screw up his development then yes i would want does the draft what happens with your draft pick impact whether or not you want to move mike conley I would say no. For the most part, no, unless... So I feel like the answer is yes, but it's not clear which way it bends, depending on what happens with the pick. Let's say you get the number one overall pick, right? Right. You have the number one overall pick. You're going to draft Zion. You have Zion and Jaron. Does that, to you, do you look at look at that and say, it, you know, it's time to move on with it. Whatever happens, happens with the draft pick in the future happens with the draft pick. The rebuild has to hit overdrive right now. We got these two guys. Let's go. Or do you look look at that and say, we want the veteran point guard to help their development and we still owe a pick to Boston, so maybe like maybe we'll be, let's maybe not be terrible next year, you know? Yeah, I think that's that's probably the way the, 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 the second part of that is probably where I would lean. Like if you were to get Zion it would be amazing, uh, and that would be super fun to watch. Uh, I, I think you probably then at that point would try to make sure you conveyed the pick in twenty twenty, um, and you had that out off the books completely. But you have to balance that out with, you know, if you're going to get some return for Mike, this is the summer to do it. He's got the early termination option after next year. So theoretically he could become a free agent after next year. I think it's unlikely. It's a pretty big contract, but the, the, the cap's going up, money's going up. If he has a really good year, maybe he would choose to try to do something like that. That might affect his ability um, to be moved or for you to do something with him. If you're going to do anything at all, this is the summer to right. do it. If you don't now, I think you've you've you foreclosed on kind it. Of thing. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Just you're just kind of you know giving it up for scraps at that point. I, and I'm not saying there is value in what you're talking about. Like there's value in making sure that if you have two young bigs or whatever Zion is, right. I don't know what he's going to be at this front level, court, but front court, front court player. But yeah. but you you want somebody to kind of shepherd them through. Totally cool with that. I get that. However, I wouldn't I wouldn't give up like a good pick and a good player or some you know, a nice package that you could get. I wouldn't turn give that, that up right. just for the shepherding part. 
I, one of the things that's interesting to me, and I and when I answered a mailbag question today, I sort of looked at it. Their money could be a lot tighter this summer than I think people expect. Well, they they are they are more concerned about yes. it than I would have thought. I'll, I'll put it that way. If Conley is back, and if Parsons is on the books at full value, mm-hmm. whether he's actually on the roster or not, but if his contract is on the books, right. and Valanciunas opts in, CG Miles will opt in. You're in a situation where you are already over the cap. And you're not that far from the tax if you're thinking about re-signing DeLon Wright, signing your first-round pick, which you'll probably mm-hmm. have, and wanting to use your that's mid-level. That's a bigger number than people remember now. And I mean, wanting to use number. your mid-level exception. I don't know if you can do all three of those things and stay under the luxury tax. Well, I think spot. you're talking – so if, if it's Conley, Parsons – I was looking at this earlier today, so I'm trying to remember, but it was Conley, Parsons, Valanchunas – uh, Jaron, C.J. Miles, Kyle Anderson; those six are about a hundred million, right yeah. there combined. So your cap, your your tax level is about one thirty right. projected somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, you're you're getting a little. You got so once you start kicking you, back, Delon you, Wright you, resign, and you, you get know. up to about one ten, and that that's with Wright's qualifying offer, and that's assuming two million for Avery Bradley right. if you buy him out because right. you got to pay something either yeah. way. Yeah. It gets kind of tight, and that's why I sort of think if they really want to try to move stronger into a rebuild you got to free up some room and moving Conley to a team that has cap space to sort of give yourself some flexibility I don't know I sort of feel like they may be that may be the way it goes and it, all of this to me Chris all of it has to you have to have they're gearing up for some big stuff this this you know offseason it's a huge offseason for them they have got to find a cohesive plan of action right and as you've talked about God knows I've talked about it written about it the whole thing there needs to be a unified vision and a unified visionary, most like hopefully right. that would be ideal uh, running the, the show. And it, this is because they, they are in a spot now where they could go in a number of different directions and they, you could logically make a case for a couple different things, but yeah. somebody needs to actually oh, I, 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 set that tone, I've, make that case. I've said, I've said it since I've said it. I haven't like jumped on a chair and screamed it and written columns just about it, but I've said it since they fired Levian. Like, Levian was the right idea and the wrong guy. Yep. Like, bring in a new lead executive from outside the organization and put that person in charge and let him have whatever staff he wants, keep who he wants, let go who he wants, whatever. But hire somebody good and empower them to run your team, and that's what I think they should do. I mean, God, you know, God bless uh, you know, Jeff, and I, you know, I, I love the, the spirit of the idea, but, like, you don't need Shane Batty. I, we don't need to keep bringing back, right. like, old school. Like, right. Get get a, get somebody new and or, or, or somebody big. Something like that. You know, people, you know, I, don't, I don't know if David Griffin would be interested. That seems, like, probably too far gone. Sam Hankey, something like that. But somebody. Right. When Jerry West was hired, there was no – he was a, he was hired because he's Jerry West, and he immediately gave credibility to the operation. I mean, right. you need somebody like that, and they don't have to be – Hey, it's Elliot Perry. I, I mean, I love Elliot, but I'm just saying, like, you don't have to. And it was a good, great piece, by the way, that you did with uh, with Elliot. And, and oh, that, was, that was excellent. But you don't need Elliot necessarily, or anyone. Just get get somebody who's good. All Fans right. want to see good stuff happen. A few quick things before we get out of here. Um, do you care about Chandler, the, the Chandler parts and stuff? Or no. you just ready? You just ready for that to be? Over? I don't. It's he's he is what he is, man. Right. He's a he's a broken down six uh, ten guy that can occasionally shoot, but he's shooting what like sixteen percent to start. Come on. It's a personal drama for him, but it's not a mysterious basketball situation. I mean, right? it, it, when he's out there playing, man, I, I liken it to the guy that's in the car on the road trip who's not paying for gas, he's not driving, he's not—he's just in the car, and he's having fun, and like he might, you know, right. DJ the, the radio. That doesn't matter. That's an irrelevant part of the things. I mean, it's just relevant because he makes a lot of money. But. Have you started draft prep yet? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. We'll have to, we'll, we'll have to reconvene on that subject. Yeah. I, I am, I'm a few weeks into my draft prep, right? Are you, are you um without getting into specifics, are you – 
optimistic about getting a good player in the middle of this lottery or not optimistic? Yeah, I think my, my feeling on the draft, Chris, has been that, that like, obviously Zion is a uni- unique, right. off, off the charts, whatever. I think anybody you take two through, I've gone down to like 14 or 15, you're probably going to be taking them two to three spots higher than you'd feel comfortable taking. Relative to if they Relative were the same to, players right. were in last year's draft. Exactly. Right. But, but that doesn't yep. mean they're a bad player or anything like that. Right. It just means that it's you're not going to feel quite as slam dunk. Jaron at four is like, to me, I was like, oh my God, that's a great, you know. The, the eh. number two pick in this year's draft would have been the fifth, sixth, seventh at, pick at or whatever maybe in last even, year's yeah, draft, I mean, right? Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. less than that. And and I think also I think, the mocks, I think maybe six was the cutoff, right? Well, I'll tell you this too, Chris. Who was six? Bomba Carter, one of those Bomba guys? Was, Bomba was six, yeah. right. I think the um, the 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 mocks this year that you see right now are going to be radically different in two months radically different. I mean, there, there is a, cause there's a huge discrepancy within the league about how certain guys are valued. I mean, Barrett's going to be up there high and, right. and Morant and those, but beyond that there it's, it could go all over the place based on really how you think guys are going to develop, which right. could be good actually for the Grizzlies. If they get the seventh or eighth pick, you might end up with a better value pick there than you might've gotten in other drafts. Even if it's talent wise, probably not quite as good. All right, we're going to reconvene on the draft if, if you're willing to come in. I'm, man, look, I'm ready. To, as long as I don't get another speeding ticket on my way over here, I'll be, I'm, I'm ready to come back whenever. So. Well, we'll, we'll send someone to pick you up. Nah, there, now, we're, now we're getting somewhere. All right, so Peter, thanks for coming in. As always, my you, pleasure. read your stuff at The Athletic. Thank you. Listen to you every morning on mm-hmm. Sports 56. Is it 7 to 7 to 10? Yeah. 7 to 10. Um, and follow you at Peter Edwison, which most people listening to this probably know. I hope so. Um, for Peter, I'm Chris Harrington. This has been the Daily Mythian and Grizzlies podcast. Thanks to the OEM Network and Gil Worth. Thanks to Natalie Van Gundy on the ones and twos. You can, you can subscribe to the site, dailymythian.com. Um, $7 a month, is that right? $7 a month. I should know. I, I pay myself. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at, at Daily DailyMythian. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast and all of our other podcasts wherever you get your stuff. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all of that good stuff. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.